Are you better off today than you were four years ago, two years ago, last week? That question, are you better off today than whenever, is often one posed to us by politicians. And since we're coming up on some mid-year election, midterm elections, we might hear questions phrased like that. They're trying to get us to evaluate our lifestyle and look at the quality of it compared to maybe others or compared to where we were at some other time in our life. And all they're really trying to do is to raise in us a spirit of discontent. But rather than ask, are you better off than all, of the, uh, than all that other times in our life, Maybe what is best that we do is not look at our wallet, not look at what's in our garage, not look at what's in our closet, but simply look at what's in our heart. So this month we're going to look at the harvest of blessings and learn how we can have a heart for those blessings. Today we just want to look around and see all the blessings that God has given us. The words we're going to study this morning are from 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read through them now, and then I'm going to go back over them and take parts out to, to see just how blessed we are and what that means for us. The Apostle Paul writes this, God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have a deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, as you listen to those words, maybe you heard things that relate to the, to the concept of a, of a harvest. He talked about seed and, and productivity and a storehouse. As people try to get us to focus on what we don't have, Paul is focusing our attention on what we do have. And he uses that concept of a storehouse to remind us that we are abundantly blessed and that there is plenty there, not only for today, but for tomorrow and beyond. Well, let's take a look and see. How is it we are so abundantly blessed and have a heart then 
for the harvest. Paul draws our attention to, first of all, that storehouse of blessings. He takes us through that storehouse and, and points out to us how all, we all have blessings from the triune God. So first he says, look at the blessings you have from the Father. He started out saying, God is able. Actually, in the Greek, it says this, Abel is God. The word order is switched to bring emphasis to that word Abel, which, by the way, is a word that sounds like our word for dynamite. What he's telling us is that God is powerful. As the giver of all things, he is able, he is powerful to give exactly what we need. And so we are blessed with every grace overflowing. It's like he's talking about a little seed, maybe an apple seed that's planted. And that grows into a tree. And that tree produces fruit. And that fruit produces more seed to produce more trees and more fruit. And so what he's describing is, is that God has amply, abundantly, overflowingly blessed us with every gift that we need. And so we can simply say that God, as the giver, is the one who is able to give all that we need. You know, today we, we have a habit of categorizing people in certain ways. We might say, well, there's the upper class, the middle class, and the lower class. We might say there's the haves and the have-nots. There are those who have health care and those who don't. Those who have jobs and those who are jobless. Those who have homes and those who are homeless. But God doesn't look at anybody that way at all. Nor does God treat anybody that way. He tells us that he gives us abundantly everything that we need. I, I like the way that Paul actually describes it. He says he gives you every grace, reminding us that these things that we have are gifts. Not something we've earned, something we deserve, something we can demand, but rather they simply come to us out of his love with no conditions, no strings attached. They just simply come from a heart of love. He reminds us then that every gift, everything we have is a gift from God. We could put it as he does into different categories. He, he talked about uh, the seed and, and the bread that comes and the productivity of it. Maybe reminding us of the, of the gifts of our hands, those physical things that we have and can do. He spoke about the knowledge that we have of God. So he reminds us of the blessings that we have in our head, that, that knowledge and, and wisdom and, and to see God's will, which is related to what he has put in our heart, faith and obedience and love and joy. All of those things are, are simply the blessings that we have from the Father. Nobody is lacking them. And so today when we're asked that question, are you better off than you were four years ago or two years ago or last week? Don't look around at your circumstances. You know, don't say, well, my health isn't as good. 
or I don't have as much money, or my job is so-so, but rather look to see what God says he has done for you, given you his grace, abounding grace. It's never ending. It's always increasing and never decreasing. You can say, I have all, of I, all I need because I have grace. And yet, we will look around and, and say, well, you know, he's got more than I do. And I don't have that. And I wish my life were like this. Those seeds of discontent and envy and greed just bring about disappointment and discouragement. Rather, look at what God says. I have given you every gift of grace. Let it grow and let it abound and overflow into all of your life. I am better off today. Then Paul goes on and, and he lists for us the blessings that we have from God's Son. In verse 9, he says, As it is written, and then he quotes a psalm verse, He distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. As it is written, he's telling us, listen to what God says. Now, he's quoting from Psalm 112, which happens to be paired up with Psalm 111. In other words, if you're going to read either one of those psalms, you're supposed to read the other ones as well. Psalm 111, he's extolling the power and, and the mercy and the, the loving kindness of God in our life. And then in Psalm 112, he tells us how we have received God's grace and now grow in that grace what he's simply reminding us of is that God has distributed this freely, abundantly, to all, without any regard to who you are. He refers to the poor. That is, the poor, those who are lacking what we need, he has given. And what is it that we need? What is it that we're lacking? Righteousness, he says. The righteousness of God endures forever because our righteousness has failed. That which we need to get into heaven, that which we need to have eternal life, to have a, a right standing with God, we don't have on our own. And yet, he said, this is what God says. You're righteous. You are right with me. But it's not because of something we've done, only because of what Jesus has done. It's why the Son came into this world, to live for us, to live in our place. Jesus lived perfectly for us. Even though he experienced every temptation as you and I experience, he never sinned, not once. He lived a perfect life so that now there is a righteousness offered to us, a righteousness that's given to us, revealed to us, distributed to all, and received by faith in Christ. So his righteousness fills that empty storehouse of righteousness that we had on our own. But what about the failures? What about the things that we 
have not done or the things that we did that were wrong, that unrighteousness, the Son has taken care of that too. You see, when he shed his blood on that cross, it was to pay the penalty for the sins that we carried out that he never did. And so our sins are removed and our life is filled with righteousness. Are we better off? Absolutely, because we are righteous in God's sight. That is, he sees us as he sees Jesus. Yeah, he looks at us and he sees us as perfect as Jesus. Now just think about it for a minute. How many sins do you think you have committed in the last four years or two years or one week or even just the few hours you've been awake? Do you know that God could condemn you for any one of those sins? We know that, but we don't think about it because we know we are living in grace. We know that we're forgiven. We know that God has declared us righteous. And so we don't think about the condemnation. We think about our right standing with God. And that's why we can say, am I better off today? Yes, always, because every step of my life is covered by grace. Now, how do I know that? God declares it, but how has it become mine? That's because of the blessings of the Spirit in my life. Listen now how Paul describes that. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. He said, God will increase your seed. What's he talking about? It's the blessing of faith. Jesus used a seed as an illustration of faith. He said, you may have faith that's as tiny as a mustard seed. And yet that mustard seed, when planted and watered, will grow to become a supportive bush so that birds can come and nest in it. So faith may seem to some as being simply a crutch, as something weak and, and of no value at all. We know it's the blessing by which we receive that grace of God. How do we get it? How do we grow in it? Start there with your baptism. Now you might think, well, boy, you know, I was baptized a long time ago. I don't even remember the event. You don't need to remember the event, who was there, how you acted. You just need to remember the promises of God that he connects with that baptism. That it's washed away your sin. That it's clothed you with Christ's robe of righteousness. That it's filled you with faith and made you a disciple and brought you into his family and placed God's name on you. That's how you grow in your baptism. You grow in your faith as you, as you listen to God's word like you're doing now. Hanging on to those promises. Following through with obedience in your life. 
you have your faith strengthened when you receive in the Lord's Supper the very price that was paid to bring you forgiveness, the body and blood of Jesus with that bread and wine. There God is assuring you, here is the price that I gave, that I paid to make you mine forever. That's how we get that blessing of faith. And from it comes the fruits of faith. He said, you will increase in a harvest of righteousness that is now being declared righteous and clothed with Christ's righteousness. We're going to show it. We'll live in obedience, in love, with joy, with kindness toward others. And then he blesses us with various gifts. He used the word generosity, but it's a word that really meant having a singular focus. We always think generosity means, well, you give a lot. What it simply meant is you're focused on one thing, and that is serving God and sharing his grace with others. Am, am I better off today than I was four years ago, two years ago, last week? Absolutely. That question that's posed is simply meant to discourage me, to put the seeds of discontent out there. But I can battle that with the promises and with the productivity of the spirit of my life. So don't let the world and its message distract you from what God says he has given you. Don't let the messages that you hear out there distort the message that God clearly proclaims. You are his, you are blessed forever. So now, show it. Live with a heart for the harvest. Listen how Paul describes the change now that God's blessings make in our life. You'll be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Well, you could catch it from the words that I highlighted. How do you show you have a heart for the harvest? You live a life of thankfulness. He mentioned it several times and the purpose for it, to glorify God. That's why we live a life of righteousness to God. It's, it's our thank you to him for the blessing of his grace. Now imagine what your life would be like if you said thank you every time you recognized a blessing for God. There was a, a Texas businessman who was very thankful for his blessings and he decided to write a book about it and have it published. When he went to get it copyrighted, they didn't do it. The title of his book was A Million Thanks. But they said, no thanks, we can't publish that. 
Why? Because his book contained just the word thanks a million times. And they said, we can't copyright one word so that nobody can ever use that word without permission. That's good. Because now we have permission to use that word a million times and more for the million plus blessings that we receive. Well, how do you say thanks a million times or more? Paul says, with the obedient confession of the gospel of Christ. What he's talking about is faithfulness. That confession of Christ is our profession standing up and proclaiming what we believe. Yes, and, and, and that may take a lot of time and a lot of words and the right situation, but we can live a life of thankfulness even without words. The story is told of the great uh, Greek conqueror, Alexander the Great, and how one day he was inspecting his troops, and he came across one soldier who looked very disheveled, his uniform all out of place. And he said, young man, what's your name? And the man proudly said, Alexander. And Alexander said to him, either change the way you live or change your name. What about you? You have the name Christian. Do you live up to its standards? The believer of centuries ago, St. Francis, is quoted to, a, to say, preach the gospel all the time, and if necessary, use words. It's how we live that we can show our thankfulness and our faithfulness to the profession of Christ. And then we'll see how the Spirit works. He says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also that your generosity is in sharing with them and with everyone. As they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. In other words, what he's simply telling us is use your gifts to be fruitful. Like a seed that's planted in the ground, that's watered by grace, grow and be productive, producing more fruit and more seed, more grace for those to know. The passage we're studying this morning is in a larger context. Paul was talking about a thank offering that he was gathering from the believers for the needy saints in Jerusalem. He was encouraging them to use their blessing, to use their gifts in service to others. In other words, to have a heart for the harvest, souls for Christ. Don't sit on the sideline. You're not injured like Jimmy G, the quarterback. Get out on the field and use your gifts and be fruitful for that harvest of souls. So as we might be confronted with that question, are you better off? You know how to answer it. Yes, and I have a million reasons why. Because my life has changed from four years ago, from two years ago, from last week, from just a few minutes ago. My life is changed forever. So let's show it. 
let's show it with our concern for the lost, for the strain, for the weak, for the hurting, for those who need help, for those who need encouragement, and for those who are healthy, and for those who are hardworking. Let's show our thanks by sharing the word. This time of the year, it's always really busy around here with all of the uh, different holidays, of course, but the other opportunities that we have to proclaim God's message. Please listen for the opportunities where you can get involved to show I have a heart for the harvest of God. Amen.